Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, whatever you're going to do here today. In Exodus 23, God commands that three times a year, his people are to celebrate a festival to him. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, Passover, we had that Easter week, but Passover is the real thing. The Feast of the Harvest, which is now Shavuot or Pentecost, and I'll explain what these words mean shortly. And the Feast of Ingathering, that's Tabernacles, and I'll give you a brief look at that as well. So these are God's appointed times. God makes a time for us to meet with him for his purposes. It's a teaching time, if you like. There are appointments with God, and they are times when the Spirit of God wants to meet with us to accomplish very specific things in our lives. So Pentecost is the second of the three yearly appointed times. Let me show you what they look like. Passover is in March, April. It moves around because it's a lunar feast, not a solar feast. So it depends on where the moon is as to when it is exactly. These are in Northern Hemisphere when they might say it's, um, that would be, uh, sorry, that would be spring, but here it's obviously starting to head into autumn. Then there's Pentecost, that's in May, June. That's this week. And then there's Tabernacles, which is September, October, whichever um, year. So each of these has a very specific purpose. Passover is an appointed time for God to deliver his people. Jesus was crucified at Passover to deliver us. He is our Passover lamb. Tabernacles, which is in September this year, is the appointed time for God to come and tabernacle or dwell with us. And Jesus was born in tabernacles. I could be real precise and say he was born on the 14th of September, 3 BC. In fact, on the research that I've been able to do in the last year, I can tell you that he was born between quarter past six and quarter to eight in the evening because of this star, this, where the stars were and the magi and so on. Anyway, we won't get into that today. And it also says the word came, became flesh and tabernacled with us. So God keeps his own calendar. Let me open up three scriptures to you. And I know um, it's good that you bring your own scriptures, uh, your own Bible, but I'm going to make it real easy for you today. On the morning of the third day, God said uh, in his word, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain. And then Moses led the people out and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain. Now, the reason I'm showing you this is this is the very first Pentecost, okay? Because there's a connection here. Then I want to turn to Deuteronomy 16. And God says, count off seven weeks, this is from Passover, then celebrate the feast of weeks to the Lord your God 
by giving a free will offering in proportion to the blessings the Lord your God has given you. And rejoice before the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name. I find it interesting, each of these three feasts that the Lord, there's actually six feasts in one fast, so you don't have to do without too often. Okay, But each of these times, God said, I want my people to come with something in their hands for him. So he's expecting an offering from us. I was just talking to a friend of mine who's in the Manawatu uh, just recently, and he said, since he started to give the Lord a special gift at each of these three uh, feast times, he said his business has trebled. And for no other reason, because he was not changing anything else he was doing. Nothing to do with COVID or anything like that. Let me take you to Acts chapter 2, which we all know, and this is probably what you expected this morning. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven like the rushing of a violent tempest blast, and there appeared tongues as of fire, distributing themselves and resting on each of them. That would be nice today, Lord. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. So I want to just have a little look at these two Pentecosts. It might just help clarify our thinking. On Mount Sinai, God gave the Ten Commandments written by his own hand on stone. And if you follow the rest of the scripture, 3,000 people lost their lives. But on Mount Zion, when the disciples on the day of Pentecost that we know of from Acts 2, the commandments of love were written by the Spirit of God on the hearts and minds of God's people. Because you can see a parallel there, even though it's different. And 3,000 were added to the kingdom on that one day. What would happen in fielding, or what would happen to fielding, if 3,000 people in fielding came to God today? It would be wonderful, and we'd be very busy discipling them for the next while. Give you another parallel. In the old covenant that Moses got with the Ten Commandments, and it's old by definition, not because it's now been replaced, it's the letter of the law. The problem was when Moses came down the mountain, it so disturbed everybody that they wanted to put a sack over his head because they couldn't handle the fact that they could see the glory of God on his being. But life in the spirit that came in Acts chapter 2, as it's recorded, the glory is on the face of Jesus with unveiled faces so we can be changed to that same glory. I hope you're open to being changed today. The Holy Spirit is for us. So there are three dimensions to Pentecost. And if we understand these, we'll catch a glimpse of what God wants to do in our lives. And these three involve, one, receiving God's abundant provision. Some people think God's stingy. I just want to say this. When God does something, he does it generously. When he makes the fish in the sea, they multiply. You've only got to look at the 
the way the mice are replicating in New South Wales right now, if you've seen your news, whatever God does, he does it with abundance. Okay? We've got this idea that God's stingy. He's not. He's actually very generous. So that's why the word abundant is there. It's receiving supernatural revelation, number two. Getting understanding. Maybe... Maybe getting an idea for a business proposition or something. And then three is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in power. I've said it in many places before, and I'll probably say it a lot more times. The day of Pentecost turned up in Acts chapter 2, not in Acts chapter 28. It wasn't a warm fuzzy for doing the job. It was the empowerment to go do the job, the job of the kingdom. Okay, so Pentecost is the appointed time of God's provision. It was a time to thank God for his provision for the season that's now finished. Okay, we've got to think of the times of their harvests in in this reference. It's a time to secure God's provision for the new season ahead. So what would we do as a fellowship here if by this time next week, I don't know who's on preaching next week. It's probably, it's you, okay. What would you do if every seat was filled and there was standing room around the back? You'd do a little dance? Cartwheels. We won't hold you to it. (laughs) Okay. It's important to understand that Pentecost didn't start in Acts chapter 2. They'd all grown up celebrating Pentecost. It's described in Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So God wants it. There's the law of repeat that's involved in there. From the feast of Passover, count off seven weeks. That's why it's sometimes called the feast of weeks, because there are seven weeks, 49 days. Then on the 50th day, have a festival before the Lord. He wants to see joy. He wants to see um, generosity and so on. There's a whole lot of things that he wants to see. So the, week, the word in um, Hebrew is Shavuot. Pentecost is a Greek word. It just simply means 50 days because we had the New Testament originally written. Well, not originally, but it was written in Hebrew. So Pentecost was given as a time to cease from labor. So just have a little rest. And thank God for what he's given you so far. Okay? It's initially marked in their culture as an ingathering of the wheat harvest. Now, wheat was the top crop. Barley was a bit later. Okay? When the time of harvest drew near, it meant an old season had ended and a new season was beginning. The provision from previous harvests had sustained them through the year. It's time to be thankful. So this is actually their harvest festival, like we sometimes have sort of in August, uh, sorry, in, uh, towards the, the end of our uh, autumn as a rule in different churches in New Zealand. But the old harvest is sort of, we've just about run out. We're hopeful for a good harvest still to come. So there's time to come before God in faith to secure his provision for the next season to come, even though we haven't yet harvested what we're going to need for the next year. So 
The Is Israel realized that while they worked week after week to prepare the soil and plant the seeds in hope of a harvest, they had no ability to make the earth produce. That was up to God. He had to open the heavens because you can plant as they found in Australia when the drought was on. You can plant the seed, but if God doesn't send rain, it's going to stay as seed and it'll just rot away because of, of nothing happening. So God opens, the, as they trusted him, God opens the windows of heaven and the rain came out. The earth produced its harvest and that's why one of the phrases that we use in the, in the Passover is, Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe. This is a common phrase that they use in Hebrew ritual. Who brings forth bread from the earth. So we're identifying what it is that we need. Now, one of the interesting things is Pentecost celebrates the release of God's provision. We've probably not really heard that too much but it's celebrated by praise and by giving and I'm going to challenge you to start thinking over today what are you going to give the Lord as a special gift to wherever you feel to give it I'm going to challenge you to do that because I think that's God wants to see are we going to give what we may have limited numbers of or quantities of but are you going to trust me so that I then replace it and add to it in what you need? It's the way God seems to work. In the scriptures, it was expressed as a number of offerings, burnt grain, drink, sin offerings, fellowship offerings, and free will offerings. It's just, they're all mentioned in scripture. So it's especially a time for what's called first fruits. Now, the first fruit of the harvest is the best of the wheat that's just been harvested in the context that we're talking about. So it's the first sheaves that ripen, and they. I, I remember ringing a rabbi friend of mine down south when I was studying this, and I said, so, Brother David, what do you do as a celebration before the Lord for Pentecost, for Shavuot? And he said, well, not much more than waving two loaves of unleavened, sorry, of leavened bread before the Lord. And it's to remind him we need a lot more of this to survive the next year. Stop and think about that. I'll explain what that looks like. It's a thanksgiving offering for provision, and it's offered by faith before the harvest is gathered in fully, it's an act of faith that secures the whole harvest. Do you see the way that God has unpacked this? Okay, that's what the disciples would have done the evening before Pentecost morning, recorded in Acts 2. They would have brought their offerings to the temple. They would have praised God for his goodness and provision. It's a time to open your hearts to God through joyful giving and praise. I remember back in the... Mm, when was that? No, early 1970s, I remember taking up the offering in a church I was in um, down in Oamaru, and I'd read this somewhere, and it was probably a bit disrespectful, but I said, God loves a cheerful giver, but he also re receives from grouches. <laughs> Don't know where that came from, it doesn't matter. 
It positions us to receive. God wants to know, will you trust me for what you need next week and the week after? So, when Israel left Egypt and moved out into the wilderness, they began a new season. We know about that. They needed a different kind of provision. They needed to understand God's ways so they could walk with him and experience his blessing. So at Pentecost, God calls Moses up to Mount Sinai and gives him Torah. God provided the revelation they needed at Pentecost. So, how did the Jewish people envision the giving of Torah? Here's a quote. When God gave the Torah on Sinai, he displayed untold marvels to Israel with his voice. God spoke, and the voice reverberated throughout the world, and Rabbi Yohanan said that God's voice as it was uttered split up into 70 voices in 70 languages. That's the understanding that there are 70 major languages around the world. So all of the nations could understand. When each nation heard the voice in their own vernacular, they were in fear. So what happened? The sons of Israel not only heard the Lord's voice, but they actually saw the sound waves as they emerged from the Lord's mouth. They pictured them as fiery substances. And each commandment traveled around the entire camp and came to every Jew individually. So nobody's to miss out here today. Finally, the fiery substance which they saw in which they saw engraved itself on the tablets that, that Moses had with the Ten Commandments. So Israel received God's Torah. Now, some people think that's just religious writing. No, not quite. What is it? Some think it means the law, the thou shalt nots. Actually, it simply means the teachings of God. Okay? So the revelation of God's will, his love, his character, so all scripture is Torah. On Pentecost, God revealed his heart to his people. They celebrate the release of God's revelation. Traditional celebrations of Pentecost, they stayed up all night studying the word and being thankful for it. And it says in scripture in Acts, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, in other words, it's now morning, they were all together in one place. They would have brought thank offerings to the temple the night before, then stayed up all night studying the word for the revelation that he was going to give. And in Acts 2, the church was born. It was the beginning of a new season. It was time to go to all the world with the gospel, even to darkest fielding. But we need a new level of provision. The provision of the last season has basically run out. So at Pentecost, God pulled out his spirit and released his miraculous gifts. So when God's people enter a new season, God chooses Pentecost as the time to equip them with the provision they need to prosper. So the apostles understood Pentecost. They knew how to enter into God's provision for a new season. They celebrated it. They brought thank offerings. They praised. They filled their minds with his word. They spent time studying and pondering what God's word included. 
getting their minds to think like the mind or the thoughts of God. One of the things you may be vaguely aware of, Jewish people are very wealthy as a rule. And it's because they've been taught to think like God. They're very generous, even though some of them might appear to be a bit scroogey. But the, as a people, they are very generous because God told them to give. They gain faith to receive the promise. So it's important to celebrate Pentecost. It positions us to receive from God the provision we need for the season ahead. So how do we celebrate it? Well, we acknowledge that God has given us what we've needed in the last year for the season. So it's to thanksgiving. And we acknowledge what God did in the past. The door is open to receive provision for the future. That's why some of us live in lack. If we're not thankful for the blessings of the past, we can't receive in the future. So, Pentecost is a time to bring thank offerings to the Lord. It's a feast of giving. It's a time to be thankful for his word, the scriptures. A time to get alone with God and spend time in his word, to gather with friends and study his word, to show God that we love his revelation. And for us, it celebrates God's provision of Holy Spirit. So our celebration of the Spirit includes thankfulness to him for his gifts and power. So Pentecost should be a time of testimony. And over the next week, and by the time of this time next week, I'm expecting to hear testimony from many of you of what God's done this week. Seriously. If we don't expect it, it may never happen, so I'm expecting it. We remember the great moves of the Spirit in the past. We remember the Reformation, where God's word was put back into supremacy of thought, of doctrine. We remember the Welsh revival that went round the world, where even the pit ponies in the coal mines in Wales couldn't understand their, new, their masters because they weren't swearing at them anymore, because they got cleaned up. That touched New Zealand, even though that was 1904. What about the Whanganui Māori, where 5,000 Māori gathered on the banks of the Whanganui River to worship God in the morning at daybreak, when the Holy Spirit was falling upon them? We're very close to Whanganui. I'm hoping some of it will slop over into Manawatu District. We need it. Thank him for the great works he's done in your life. Your salvation, answered prayer. Is there anybody here who's game enough to put their hand up and say God never answered any of my prayers? I guarantee he's answered most of them in the way that you thought he should. And some of them he said no. And a few of them he said not yet. It's time to remember what he's done. As you gather with friends, you could ask, how did you get saved? What's the most amazing thing God did for you? Recount his mighty works. It's time to praise him for his goodness. There's a particular psalm that is read in synagogues right around the world because praise opens the heavens. If you haven't read the book Prison to Praise, that's a while ago, wasn't it? <laughs> that ages you a bit. 
praise opens the heavens. Do you see what it says? I'll tell you which psalm it is in a minute. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest and God will bless us. God will bless us and all the ends of the earth will fear him. I don't know if you're aware of this, but New Zealand is the furthest in all directions from Jerusalem on the whole planet. You want to be more precise? It's just off the coast of Christchurch. I posted this slide on my Facebook page last night, and I said, do you'll notice it's the ends of the earth. Kiwis take note, but notice first you have to praise them. And a Christian doctor in Christchurch has already responded to that and said, yes, and the wizard and the slaughter of innocence in Christchurch has tried to prevent that. So that's all the more reason to praise God for what he's about to do. So there's a sequence to this. Praise starts, followed by provision, followed by testimony. And as I said to somebody this week, there's no testimony without a test. It's a bit of a sad thing really, but it's the way God's got it, so we have to put up with that. As you praise God for what he did in the past, you gain faith to receive what he is about to do in this new season. So walk in the expectation that God is opening the heavens to pour out his spirit. So to pray for a fresh work of revival to receive a fresh release of revival in your life, because it starts with individuals, and then we celebrate with the Lord, maybe next year we could have a Pentecost party and just do this on the Saturday night perhaps. Spend time in praise. Feast together. It's not a fast, it's a feast. Prepare a first fruits offering. Be filled with thankfulness for God's goodness. Spend time in the word. Study passages about God's spirit and his power. God's spirit's mentioned several times in the Old Testament, so this is just a continuation. And thirdly, pray for his spirit to release a revival that will sweep our region. If we don't pray for our own people first, there's no point in praying for people in the rest of the world. Okay? Anoint each other as you need to. Receive revival from him. Now, some of you were at the Passover and you'll remember this, but I just want to get your attention. At the beginning of the meal, the father takes the middle piece of matzah out of the bag. The bag is called the unity. It's called the afikoman. It's not Hebrew. It's a Greek word. And it simply means he who's coming. And Jewish families keep this middle piece. The father keeps it in, in a drawer wrapped in some linen or whatever. And if somebody in the family gets sick during the year, he breaks a piece off and he says to that sick person, receive this in the name of the one who it represents. They have no idea it represents Jesus. And you'll notice if you hold it up to the light, it's got little holes in it, it's got little stripes, and it's got bruises, 
And you remember that in Isaiah 53, that's where it comes from. And Jewish people don't know why they produce it that way, unless they're awake to what the Messiah is. This is unleavened bread. There's no rising in it. Now, leaven symbolically represents sin. It's not to be offered at Passover on pain of excommunication. It was a pretty serious thing. You had to go and clean your house out that there was no leaven in it, going into the corner of the cupboards with a feather and stuff. But at Pentecost, this is leaven bread. Commanded by the Lord, he says, fine flour, this is the first fruits, if you like, baked with leaven, and it's God's recognition and ours that the root of sin has not yet been fully eradicated despite being indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You see, flour can't be eaten on its own. It's not palatable. The fire and baking process intensifies the unity of the flour with the other ingredients. So the coming of the fire of the Holy Spirit is to arrest the action of sin in the believer's lives. And there's lots of scriptures for this. Two is the number of witness, where two or more are agreed. You know the passages. The outpouring of Holy Spirit on Jew and Gentile makes one new man, according to Scripture, and makes us suitable to be waved as an offering before the Lord. So most of us don't understand harvest time unless we've come off a farm, particularly one that planted crops. Okay? The harvest is important and seasons and events were reckon, reckoned by the harvests. So let me just quickly go through these because these are more relevant than you probably think. Firstly, the seed is broadcast and ploughed under in late winter. This is for the uh, harvest that we're talking about at this time of the year in the northern hemisphere. There's a prayer for rain, the early rain that helps get it germinated and then the latter rain to bring it to full fruit. Thirdly, the grain is grasped and cut with a sickle. Nowadays, we have machines that do that. The green, grain was gathered into sheaves and then it's taken to the threshing floor. Tools are used for threshing, so for the harvest of fielding, you have tools. You need to apply this to our situation. The grain was winnowed or tossed into the air and the wind blew the chaff away. The remaining grain was shaken into a sieve and some of us are in this process right now. So this is why it's relevant to us. The grain is then brought into the storehouse and you need to ask the Holy Spirit, what is your storehouse? So, let me try and summarize here. The harvest must be protected because the harvest has major enemies. There are five of them. One is drought. Ask the Holy Spirit to identify and break all your dryness. Okay, if you're taking notes, this is something you could perhaps do this afternoon. Secondly, there's a potential for a locust invasion. I saw a lot of Africa and parts of Asia got locusts over the last year that were wiping out whole nations of crops. So ask the Lord to remove any devouring of the harvest he's giving you. Thirdly, there are plant diseases like mold and mildew, usually for too, with too much moisture or whatever in the atmosphere. Ask the Lord to remove any mold from your lives. 
fourthly, there can be hot scotching winds, because we've got to remember this is coming into summer in the northern hemisphere. Ask the Lord to turn away all adverse winds. And fifthly, there is war, because the enemy wants to live off the land by invading it. So declare that any enemy that has eaten your harvest will run away from your land. Okay? So, we're going to do something practical now. Let me say it this way. God is love, without exceptions. God never created anyone or anything that's unlovable. Although I have an idea that fleas and wasps may qualify. Jesus gave us the divine exchange from Satan's disorder to God's order. Okay? Too many people, including sitting in churches right around the world today and yesterday, too many believe the lie that this is as good as it gets and we're wallowing in circumstances of lack or poverty. I want to point you to the scripture. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So I have a question for you. If God is supplying, and I was going to say, okay, uh, anybody want $100? God doesn't lie. But if God has given us something then, and you're lacking on something, thank you, Jacob, you can give him one. <laughs> if, let's get the point here. If God has given you something, but you don't actually have it right now, but you should, then someone stole it. Do you get the point? That was the setup, by the way. Let me give you three examples from scripture. Jesus said when he was in the boat, peace be still, and the sea flattened. He said to a man with leprosy, stretch out your hand, and by obedience he put his hand out and it was healed. Lazarus interrupted a funeral. Uh, sorry, Jesus interrupted Lazarus's funeral. And he said, Lazarus, come forth, and he came first. I'm going to ask you to do something a bit different now. I'm going to ask you to stand up. I'm going to ask you to find your wallet, your credit cards, whatever you've got that has anything to do with money, and I want you to hold it out before the Lord. And I'd like to lead you in a little proclamation that will help you actually get the provision that God wants to give you. If you're willing to do that, please stand and find whatever. I, I should tell you that it wasn't this message exactly, but some years ago I was in a Baptist church in Auckland and I made an altar call for people with financial hardship. It was a church of about 400. There were 60 Chinese people queued up. And the pastor said to me at lunch, you never see them admit that they've got a problem. You lose face. Now, in the time since I was there till now, 
their houses will have gone to over $2 million because that's the neighbourhood it was in. So let's put God to the test by offering him what we've got. Please stand. Okay. So there are scriptures mentioned in these. We're going to say them together. Because, come together, because it is God's intent through Jesus Christ that all principalities and powers should know the manifold wisdom of God through his ecclesia according to Ephesians 3, 9 to 11. And because the true holy creator God wishes that I may prosper and be in health even as my soul prospers, according to 3 John 2. And because my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, according to Philippians 4.19. And Lord Lord God, I choose to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, according to Matthew 6.33. I belong to God through Jesus Christ and what he did for me on the cross at Calvary. He entrusted me with stewardship of health, relationships, money, possessions and property, some of which you, devil, have stolen. So having already been supplied with all that I need, whatever has been stolen from me by you, devil, or your agents, according to Proverbs 6, 30 and 31, you are now required to restore to me seven times what you have taken. So I now proclaim and declare to you, devil, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Yeshua ben Yahweh, that you must now restore to me all my health, relationships, money, possessions and property with the sevenfold restitution that God has declared in his written word. Living God, I am not asking you for any of this because you have already given them to me. I do ask though for you to dispatch ministering spirits to go and get these and bring them back to me that I may restore my stewardship to the glory of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. For surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous and you surround them with your favour as with a shield, according to Psalm 5 verse 12. Praise the Lord Most High. So let me just remind you, may the people praise you, O God, May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest and God will bless us. God will bless us and all the ends of the earth, even fielding, will fear him. Praise, provision, testimony. And now we're going to have a song. It's all set up. Because we are no longer slaves. Unravel me with a melody 
song of deliverance from my enemy till all my fears are gone. but you might want to put your wallet in your pocket as we bring our finances or a representation of it to the communion table as we share. 
we bring ourselves to God and we invite him to restore to us what he's given but we never received. You get the message. So I'm going to bless you now because you're just going to help yourselves. Um, Trevor, I wonder if you could take the cloth off, please. So the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you, to be gracious to you, to turn his face towards you and give you shalom, which is the completeness of the Holy Spirit in provision, in revelation, and in praise to his name.